Welcome to Kingdom Leadership. In Matthew 20 and 25, Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lord over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not that way among you, but whosoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. God has called us to lead in a way that serves others and advances the kingdom of God. Please join our hosts as they discuss scriptures, principles, and strategies for leading in a way that brings glory to God and blesses you and those you serve. You may also visit us online at IamAKingdomLeader.com to submit your questions or access past episodes. Let's go. This is Dr. Arlene Green, and welcome back to Kingdom Leadership. I'm so glad you've joined us for another episode where our mission is to disciple, meaning train, equip, prepare, encourage you so that you can accomplish all that God has called you to do and that you're able to do it in a way that brings him glory and draws other people to him. So thank you so much for joining today. I am super excited about the next two or three episodes. I've titled the series, The Not-So-Secret Keys to Success. And this part, part one, is called Leading in Challenging Times. Leading in Challenging Times. So if you'd like to access previous episodes of the show, you can go to IamAKingdomLeader.com. A young entrepreneur and friend of our family, Lakitra from So Life Media, built and manages our website, and it's awesome. So please go check it out and check out her business as well. Um, Her business is So Life Media, S-O-L-I-F-E Media.com. If you're interested in a website for your ministry, business, or, you know, or your life, I encourage you to share your gifts and talents with the world, and that's a great way to do it. Um, But you can visit and gain past episodes there. And along with the website, you can also contact me with questions or just to say hey by sending an email to agreen, A-G-R-E-E-N, at lifechangingfaith.com. And soon, I can't wait, you all are going to hear our new theme music and song, Um, My producer, who's 10, is amazing, Um, but I'll announce that on an upcoming show. So let's jump into today's topic, the not-so-secret keys to success, and part one, leading in challenging times. And in studying for this episode, God showed me something new. God really encapsulated the secrets to leadership success in just a few verses in the first chapter of Joshua. Our pastor, who's Pastor Don O'Pellum of Life Changing Faith in Frisco, uh, Texas, says that all of God is in every word of God. All of God is in every word of God. And I've always taken that to mean that God can reveal a lot of himself in just a few verses. And that is so true with today's passage. So this is going to be at least a two-part series, maybe three. And to get started, I really want to read the entire passage Um, that we'll use across the series so you can get the full context for what's happening in Joshua. In previous episodes, we talked about the first four verses of Joshua in chapter one. So if you missed those, again, please visit the website, get caught up. But as a quick refresher and just to set the context, Joshua is a new leader and a leader in transition. Moses passed away not long ago, but before he died, God had Moses named Joshua as his backfill to lead the people. So Moses had now passed away, Joshua is in role, and then God comes to Joshua and tells him basically what's to come for him in his leadership journey, and it's exciting. 
right? Joshua is going to lead the people of Israel to inherit the promise that was promised to Abraham, which some suggest was, I don't know, 430 to 480 years ago. So can you imagine God comes to you and says, you are going to be the one to lead the people into the promise that was first given over 400 years ago? You know, for some of us, that may sound exciting. For others, it might be terrifying, right? <laughs> and I'm praying for everyone listening that God gives you and me Joshua moments in our lives. Times when we're doing new things, taking new territory for the kingdom. You know, I have one that I'll share at some point, but from my experience, it's exciting and also terrifying. <laughs> so that's the context. So with that, let's read Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read verses 5 through 10. And then I'm also going to read Joshua chapter 11, verse 15, because that shows kind of how some of this comes to conclusion. So starting with Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, no man, and this is God, and he's talking to Joshua, um, telling him what is to come for his leadership journey. So God says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, and it goes on to other verses. So after verse 10, I'm going to jump down to chapter 11 in Joshua. So chapter 11, verse 15, and it says, As the Lord commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua, and Joshua did it. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Hallelujah, somebody. You know, I want God to say that about me and you. Arlene did it. She left nothing undone. Lauren did it. Natasha did it. Karen did it. Charles did it. They left nothing undone. That's what we want. When we leave this world, we want to have left nothing undone. We want to have done the doggone thing. Everything God commanded us to do, we did it. I mean, I'm not a preacher, but I think that would preach. <laughs> nothing undone. So let's jump in and let's talk about the not-so-secret keys to success, especially in leading in challenging times. And in today's episode, I want to talk about three of those keys, and we'll address the others later. So let's jump in with verse 5. Verse 5 says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And to forsake is to forget about, you know, fail to help. He's saying God won't do that. So the first key to success is believing for real that you have the victory. 
you know, last time we talked about you already have the promise, you also already have the victory. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now, right? We walk by faith, not by sight. And God has promised us victory. The word says that when we're doing what he has called us to do, no one will be able to stand against us. No manager, no teacher, no warring nation, no warring and mean-spirited people, no evil spirit. You know, the word already told us we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling, meaning people, we're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. But who is in the highest place? Who's above everything? Who's the name above all names? God and our God. So it doesn't matter what we wrestle against. We actually have the victory. And I know we say this a lot, you know, I'm thinking how many times have we sung in church, victory is mine, you know, <laughs> but, but I wonder if we really believe it. We sing it, we declare it, we call ourselves conquerors, but do we really believe it? I was listening to Kelly Lane the other day, who you all already know I love. Um, I don't know her personally, but I love and support her ministry. And she asked this question, and I want to ask it to you all. If God answers every prayer you have before him later this year, what would you be doing differently right now to prepare? So if God were to answer every prayer, if God were to give you the victory this year that you've been seeking him for, what would you be doing differently right now to prepare? And that is a deep question because it gets to the root of if we really believe God's going to do it. You know, I said before that um, Pastor Tim taught us one time that if we knew new furniture was coming to our house, we would have gotten rid of the old, cleaned up, started looking at accessories. We'd be preparing for the new thing. And if you really believe you're victorious and God is going to do what you've asked him to do and what he's called you to do, I should say, what should you be doing? What has he already told you to do? I was, you know, an example, I was teaching a conference recently and we were talking about dreams and what God has given people to do. And I was doing a table discussion and people at my table asked me, well, tell me how you started your business. You know, can you tell me what's the first thing I should do? And, you know, at the table, God gave me the question to ask them, how many of you already know at least one thing that you're supposed to be doing right now to accomplish your dream or whatever God has already told you to do? And do you know almost everyone raised their hand? You know, almost everyone. So in my mind, I'm like, conference is done. Take back your time and go spend it doing what God has told you to do instead of sitting around in conferences. You know, I called it one time procrastinating, meaning we like to procrastinate and act like it's planning. No, call it what it is. It's procrastinating. It's not doing what God has told us to do. And all of us have done it, I'm sure, at some point in our life. Will we have every step of the plan? No. But will he give us the next step? Absolutely. So I didn't intend to go here, but some of us, God has already promised us the victory, but because we don't really believe it, we're not doing anything about it, right? So two of the things God shared with me this year was that I would receive a federal contract and I would do some global travel. So when I received them, I put them on my vision board um, and I did take a global work trip earlier this year, which was fun and awesome. And it felt like a part of God's plan, but it didn't feel like it was the promise fulfilled because in my mind, global travel, the, I was thinking Africa, not Europe. And I don't know why, but that's what was in my mind. And I know some of you all are saying you made it to Europe. You know, why are you going to be greedy and ask about Africa? 
you know, or be specific and ask about Africa, but we serve a big God. He's promised to do beyond what we can ask or think. So there is no reason for me to put limits on God. He is an unlimited being. His power has no end. He has it all. So if he gives me a vision for Africa, I'm going to keep believing and working until I get the real deal, what he has really promised. And, you know, what God has promised me and what God has promised you, he's going to deliver. So anyway, once Kelly asked this question, you know, if God answers every prayer, what would you be doing differently right now to prepare? I mean, I thought, wow, I haven't even applied for one federal contract. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I've done what I could on the global travel front. But if God's going to give me a contract, how is he going to give it to me if I haven't even applied? Well, once she said that, the next day I made a call I'd been meaning to make. That person led me to a website to look up some contracting options in my area. And when I looked on there, they had an open bid for leadership training, guess where, in Africa. <laughs> I, I mean, I was like, wow, what a lesson for me, right? Because then now I'm scrambling because I'm delayed trying to get it in on time. So the first secret to success is that with God, you are guaranteed victory. Now, with God doesn't mean we just know him. The Bible says even demons believe there's one God, so that's not it. But it's if we're seeking and following after him for real, the victory is ours. So we need to be preparing, walking, and moving like victorious people. So that's point one, that's key one to success, is we have to believe and act like we have the victory. Now, points two and three are two of my favorites. And I'm going to share what the Holy Spirit shared with me. Um, but first, let's read verse six. And I'm going to read from my study Bible, which is the NIV. And in verse six, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Okay, well, now I'm going to read it with the emphasis the Holy Spirit gave me when I was studying for this. It's not emphasized this way in the Bible, but this is what the uh, Holy Spirit gave me. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Have you ever led a group of these people? <laughs> I have, I have, I have. Have you ever been in a difficult, trying, challenging leadership situation with people who didn't want to listen, they didn't want to follow, they were just plain old difficult? I've led these people, I've been these people, so I know what I'm talking about. You know, in my past, I could be a challenging person to lead. So there are really two points in this verse I want to talk about. And But first, let's talk about the challenges in Joshua's situation. We can agree that Joshua was in a challenging leadership situation. First, Bible scholars suggest that there may have been up to 2 million Israelites. Some say 600,000, but either way, I mean, it's a lot of people, and I honestly didn't realize that. When I thought of the Israelites moving around from place to place, you know, by fire by night and the pillar of clouds by day, I did not have two million people in my mind. So Joshua is stepping in to lead two million Israelites. You know, I was thinking about comparisons, like what does two million people look like? In the U.S., a lot of large stadiums hold about 100,000 people. So Joshua is leading 20 stadiums of people on foot. So one, I think we can all agree that's a challenging leadership scenario. Two, they're about to cross a river that is at flood stage. And I'm guessing, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm guessing the Israelites can't swim. 
you know, <laughs> I love to swim, so water isn't that scary to me. But the Jordan River, which many say can be raging, meaning fast moving, may have been 12 feet deep, um, that probably would be scary to any of us. And if you're about to walk into water and you can't swim, it's like walking off a cliff, you know, meaning if that water overtakes you, you have no means of saving yourself. So I think we can all agree also that they were up against what seemed like an impossible task. And have you ever had a Jordan River experience? Meaning you need to do something that is clearly impossible in your own strength. You know, it can be so difficult, but if you haven't, I honestly pray that you do. I pray that I do. Because that's when we see God in all his power. The word says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So sometimes the impossible task, you know, it may be something we have to do. It may be something we're praying for for someone else. And so think about the prayers for our children and loved ones. You know, we can't act. We can't be them and act on their behalf. So we're praying for them. You know, there are some impossible situations we pray about, but we serve a God who specializes in the impossible. He can do all things. So this passage is made for impossible situations because that's exactly what Joshua had. And then third, in terms of the challenging situation he's in, after he accomplishes and God gives him the, you know, the ability to accomplish this impossible task, he's going to war. He and the Israelites were going to have to take what was theirs after they crossed the river. You know, the nations they were going to fight have been described as giants, intimidating, you know, people with no discipline and restrictions, immoral. And sometimes in our own lives, we have haters. We have people that are against us. We have people that don't believe we'll succeed, don't want us to exceed. They may act immorally. I mean, there are people who can act in a mean-spirited way and certainly outside of the will of God. I was sharing with a friend the other day that I remember getting promoted into one job. And when I did, two of the people on my new team coming into my office and telling me they didn't think I deserved the job or I should have gotten it. <laughs> and one of my senior clients in that same role basically told me the same thing. Oh, okay. You know, so at least now I know what I'm up against. Um, so in attaining what God has for us, there will be opposition. And Joshua had it in his situation, just like we're going to have it in ours. So in summary, Joshua was leading a people with a history of being difficult through a humanly impossible task and was going to be up against a lot of opposition that he was going to have to fight and lead others to fight so they could receive what God had given them and what God had given them, you know, was rightfully theirs. So come on, <laughs> Joshua is in a challenging leadership situation. So in response to those challenges, God gives us our second key, which is to be strong and courageous. God knew the task ahead of Joshua. He also knew he would be victorious, but he also knew he was going to need strength and courage to obtain it. You know, we don't need strength and courage to go on vacation, to do nothing, to sit around in status quo. No, we need strength and courage when the situations are going to be challenging and difficult. You know, one quote I love by Jim Rohn, um, who was an author and just trainer and just motivational speaker as well, is don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Meaning, don't wish for the challenge to go away. No, instead, 
Let's be better in overcoming the challenge. Let's be strong and courageous. In this area of the Bible, one author noted that when God said to be strong, he was referring to Joshua's actions. You know, he was instructing Joshua to be a man of action, to be alert, ready, prompt, ready to act when the scenario required it. So he was to be strong, and then he was also to be courageous. Now, for courageous, the common you know, dictionary definition is the ability to do something that frightens you. So the ability to do something that actually scares you. In the Bible, good courage always relies upon the supernatural power of God to strengthen and motivate us to do what he's called us to do. So in the face of natural earthly circumstances that could be frightening, we're going to do it anyway. Relying on the wisdom, the strength of God, because we know his strength will uphold us. So when difficulties and anxieties come as kingdom leaders, we're not going to be stopped because of fear. Nope, we're going to be strong and courageous. We're not going to be turned around, delayed, halted, denied. No, we're going to be strong and courageous. You know, we're not going to change our character or start doing things the way someone else says or the world says they should be done or move one inch from what God has told us to do. No, instead, we're going to be strong and courageous. God told us we have the Victoria we, victory. We are victorious people, but it is going to require strength and courage. You know, as I was saying, can you imagine the courage it took for those priests to step into a raging, flooding Jordan River, holding the Ark of the Covenant, when they may not have even known how to swim? And it's interesting, the water didn't halt or stop moving until they took the step. So can you imagine the strength and courage that took? So we must lead with and expect to have to lead with strength and courage. And, you know, the third point, some have said one reason Joshua needed this strength and courage was not only because of the opposition and the impossible task he would face and his people would face, but because he was going to be leading these people. And right now I'm putting my, my hands up in air quotes, these people, so the third point is be ready and prepared to lead, quote unquote, do the air quotes with me, these people. You know, we as people are complex. And I was thinking about how the Israelites were described in the Bible. They were described as both children of promise and stiff-necked, meaning stubborn or rebellious. Um, they were children of God, and they were also described as quickly turned aside from what God had commanded. You know, God was frustrated with the Israelites several times because of their disobedience and rebellion. And do these people sound like anybody you know? I mean, it certainly sounds like me at different points in my life. Um, you know, I was thinking about this and how we lead, quote unquote, these people who may be challenging. And by the way, these people are us as well. And I was thinking about my husband, who is an amazing leader. I mean, he is fair and compassionate He's super smart and operates with wisdom. And at the same time, he's about getting things done and progress. So he does an awesome job of balancing what I like to call and some people call challenge and support. Meaning, um, whether we're leading adults, children, our families, ourselves, you know, we're going to be leading these people and we have to figure out how to balance challenge and support just like God does with us. He calls and expects us to do all that he's called us to do. And he's there to support us every step of the way. 
And I encourage you to consider how can you be that person to the people you lead? Meaning, you know, we're not coddling people so that they're not stepping up and being all that God has called them to be and do. We're holding them accountable. We have large expectations. We're expecting their best. And at the same time, we're loving them, praying for them, teaching, discipling, and encouraging them to achieve it. So here's an activity you can do. I encourage you to, on a sheet of paper, make a lowercase t on a piece of paper. Write challenge on the left side, on the top, and write support on the right side. And think about it in terms of someone you're leading. It could be ministry, work, your family, your children. It could be yourself. I mean, it's probably best thinking about it to start with ourselves and then go to others. And ask the question, in what way are you challenging yourself and others to reach for, achieve all that God has called them to? And in what way are you loving and supporting them to achieve it? You know, I've done this in my mind, I don't know how many times with my daughter, right? It's a delicate balance and one we need God to guide us through. Um, In our leadership training at church one month, we talked about love and accountability. And the question we asked is, in the way you operate and lead, what do you see as the relationship between love and accountability? Are they at odds with each other? You know, do you find it hard to hold others accountable because it feels like you're being unloving? Or do you find it hard to show love because you think others will take it for weakness, you know, and believe you're not going to hold them accountable? Well, I'll tell you, I don't see either of those perspectives in the Bible. When I was preparing for that training, I used my favorite Bible study tool, Google, and typed in scripture, love, and accountability. And let me read you one of the verses that popped up. It was John Chapter 14, verse 15, and it says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you will obey what I command. You know, so love and accountability are part of the same concept. They're not at odds. They're two sides of the same coin. So I encourage you to look at yourself, look at your people, Um, Look at your family, everyone you have an opportunity to influence and lead. Because we always say, you know, anytime you have an opportunity to influence someone in a positive direction, that's a leadership opportunity. So in those opportunities, are you both using challenge and support, love and accountability? You know, for love, you can use 1 Corinthians 13 as your roadmap to say, am I being loving to myself and others? And for challenge, you can use what we just talked about, John 14 and 15. Both of those um, passages speak of love and both of them speak of accountability. All right, so to summarize, the three keys to success from just these first few verses, and I honestly can't wait to talk about what's next, so you have to join, are one, we're victorious. And if we really believe it, we're not just singing about it on Sunday, but we really believe it, what should we be doing right now to prepare for the victory that God is most assuredly going to give us? Point one. Point two, we must be and expect to have to be strong and courageous. In challenging situations, we should expect difficult people, just like we can be, impossible tasks and opposition. And to those challenges, we must respond with strength and courage, not with being paralyzed with fear, not stopping, not delaying, not turning back, but strength and courage. And third, we must be prepared to lead these people just the way God has led us. 
People are complex, we are complex, and we can have godly and ungodly characteristics at the same time, right? We're saved, but then we're moving through a process of sanctification. So, but God is calling us to lead these people just like he does. Not perfect people, so get ready. And then evaluate how you lead yourself and how you're leading others to ensure you're balancing and incorporating God's love and God's accountability that you're balancing challenge and support and how you lead yourself and others. So I hope that blessed you. And I'm going to tell you, it has blessed me. I can't wait to hear what the Holy Spirit is going to teach us next time. The word says the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And so he will reveal to us what we need to lead and live. But before we leave, I want to get to the question of the day. And today's question comes from conversations I've had with just some friends and family recently. And in this context of the passage, you know, I'm saying it's how can I be strong and courageous when I struggle with, you know, constant or persistent anxiety? How do we exhibit strength and courage when we are feeling so much anxiety? And it took me a while to answer this question. Uh, When I sat down to prepare for it, I really didn't have much to share. (laughs) And I think that's because you know, I have more anxiety in my own life and in my own mind than I really knew or paid attention to. So in the last couple of weeks, God has been reminding me of some strategies for managing fear and anxiety, for resisting it, for casting it out. And I just want to share two things that God has shared with me recently that, you know, hopefully help you as well if, if this is something that, that you struggle with or deal with um, or others in your life struggle with or deal with. So the first one is don't resist it, face it, face it. Don't resist your fear, anxiety, face it. You know, oftentimes when we feel fear, anxiety, our first instinct, or at least mine, is to resist it. Meaning, you know, to do my best to put it in a box, walk around it, ignore it. Um, I remember when I was really struggling with the loss of a member of my family. I went to see my pastor And he told me the only way to really be able to come through this loss was to walk through it, to face it. And I remember looking at him like, what? And I remember shaking my head in his office saying, no. And every time him responding with, yes. Because facing your anxiety and fear can feel painful, scary. um, It even can make it feel undoable. You know, why would I face something that I can just go around or ignore? And why? The reason is because that fear and anxiety is taking something from you. And if you face it, you can win. We can win. You know, that gives God a chance to show up as our present help, to show us that he's our savior. He's our warrior. He's our peace. He's our strength. He is our courage that we don't need to fear and that we can be strong and courageous regardless of the situation, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. So, you know, ignoring it doesn't give a chance, doesn't give an opportunity for God to show up in that situation and then to actually get the fear cast out. So and ignoring it doesn't mean we need to focus on our fears or problems all the time. You know, God says we should think about good things, but it does mean when you feel it, don't ignore it. Don't try to go around it. Instead, share it honestly with God, reminding yourself of who he is and asking him to help you and direct you in that situation. God help me is one of my favorite prayers. You know, he knows what I'm struggling with. God help me. 
And, you know, there are times I get, I was thinking about this when I was preparing, sometimes I get a great deal of anxiety before meetings that I need to lead or trainings that I'm delivering. And people are surprised when I say that because it doesn't show up to them when I'm leading or training, but it definitely does happen. And there may be areas where you get a lot of fear and anxiety. You know, what is it for you? If you're honest with yourself, what is it that you allow yourself to think about too much, obsess about, you know, where is anxiety ruling? Is it your children, your spouse, your job, your health? You know, so in your prayer time, instead of ignoring it, face it, share it with God and ask him to trade your weakness for his strength. So let's just do a a prayer. You know, let's, let's say you're going into something, you're very nervous about it. Um, you know, just say, God, you know, I'm nervous about this situation. I want it to go well. Most of all, I want you to get the glory. So thank you that you're all powerful. You're all knowing that you go before me or with me always and are my rear guard. You told me that I should fear not for you're with me. I should not be dismayed or discouraged for you are my God. You'll help me. You'll strengthen me. You'll uphold me with your right hand of righteousness. When I am upheld by you, what is there to fear? Thank you, God. Take the fear away from me. And fill me with holy boldness, with strength, with courage to do exactly what you want me to do in the way you want it done. I thank you for fighting my battles and giving me the victory. You are good. You're loving. You're awesome. I know you're with me. God, may you be glorified. Help me to be the hands, feet, and body of Christ in the earth that you can be glorified, that your name will be made great. Thank you that you hear me. Thank you for answering me in Jesus name. Amen. You know, then you might start singing victory is mine for real, you know, until you believe it. And I know, you know, that prayer may have been long for some, not long enough for others. We need to spend whatever time is required with God, sharing with him where we really are so that he can trade our weaknesses for his strength. And, you know, if after the prayer, you still don't feel empowered, you, you still, you know, are, are having anxiety, then do it anyway. You know, Pastor Chuck Smith, who was the founder of Calvary Chapel, Chapel Churches, um, he said, and I love it, never trade what you know for what you don't know. Meaning you don't know exactly how God's going to deliver you, but you know, he's going to deliver you. You know, you don't know how he's going to show up, but you know, he's going to show up. So spend time with God, allow him to trade your weakness for his strength, And then if you don't feel the release when you're done, I pray you do. But if you don't, do it anyway, acting on what you know to be true. Our peace, our victory, our strength, our courage, everything we need is wrapped up in God. So spend the time with him that you need. So thank you all so much for listening. This series is awesome. The Holy Spirit is amazing and such a faithful teacher. So please, please join us next time for the next part of the series. We've only talked about three keys and there are so many more. We serve an awesome and amazing God and he desires to have a personal relationship with you, me, with all of us. He created you. He knows everything about you. You are the crown of his creation. He loves you. He adores you. And he wants an intimate and real relationship with you. And that relationship starts with you accepting Christ as your Savior. God is holy. He's perfect. And the only way he can commune and interact with us as people is after the price for our sin has been paid and accepted. 
and Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice, the all-sufficient payment for our sins, past, present, and future. So if you want to give your life to Christ and you hear God calling you to himself, I urge you to give your life to Christ right now. And for those of you that are already saved, I encourage you to pray this prayer with other believers and with those who are accepting Christ all around the world. Romans 10 and 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's say these words and pray the prayer of salvation together. God, I believe that your son Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I thank you that his death was the perfect and all-sufficient sacrifice for my sin. I thank you for coming into my heart and saving me. I love you and I acknowledge you as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, write us and let me know. We want to celebrate with you. The word says that the angels celebrate in heaven when one sinner repents. So we know that angels are celebrating and we celebrate with you. Um, you can send me an email at agreen, A-G-R-E-E-N, at lifechangingfaith.com. Or you can visit our website, iamakingdomleader.com, to email us, to submit a question for another show. Uh, we just want to hear from you. So please join us next time as we continue in the series, The Not-So-Secret Keys to Success. You don't want to miss it. I'm serious. Uh, I love you all. God loves you best. And until next time. Thank you for joining Kingdom Leadership. And we pray you were blessed by today's discussion. You can find us next week at the same place, same time. You may also visit us online to access past episodes and submit questions for future shows by visiting IamAKingdomLeader.com. God is calling us to lead in a way that gives Him glory, attracts others, and advances His kingdom. God bless you.